it's easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. The hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who will win. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans. Where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OH! Hey, welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is the wild man, Chris Wilds. And this is our Wisconsin Badgers 2023 preview. Chris, if there is one team that Ohio State's going to keep an eye on this season, it's going to be over there in Madison, Wisconsin, because Columbus's favorite son, Former Ohio State head coach for one season, former Ohio State defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats down from down I-71 in Ohio, Luke Fickle is the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, my man. And as one of our fans said on Sunday, Eric, is he the one that got away? Oh, man, I tell you. I tell you, it makes makes you wonder what – what the future is going to hold if if Luke Fickle does what you and I think he's capable of doing over in Madison and building a consistent not only winner there but a consistent team that will be fighting for championships in the Big Ten and probably beyond as the college football playoff expands to 12 teams beginning next season. So let's take a look about how Wisconsin did last year and historically over the years, Chris. All right, let's start with the fact that last year they went 7-6 and six overall. <coughs> Excuse me, they were 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. This is Fickle's first season there in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Camp Randall. Uh, Camp Randall is the home field with a capacity of 85,458. Wisconsin has an all-time record of 735 wins, 512 losses, 53 ties for a 586 winning percentage. A bowl record of 19 and 15. That is a really good bowl record. And 14 conference titles all in the Big Ten. Last season was interesting, my man. Last last year they started with the they started with a, a different head coach than what they finished off with. But they started the season with a 38-0 win over Illinois and then dropped 17 to 14 to Washington State at home. And that kind of lets you know right away, things were not well in Madison. They lost, uh, or they beat Mexi- New Mexico State. Everybody beat New Mexico State last year. Then they got just pummeled on the road when they came to Columbus, 52-21. to 
They dropped a, a just a dismantling, heartbreaking loss to Illinois, 34 to 10, as old Burt uh, welcomed in his old team and just dismantled them. They beat Northwestern, which everybody beat Northwestern like a drum last year. And then this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. They lost in double overtime to Michigan State, 34 to 28, and they were three and four on the season. They did have a little bit of a bounce, uh, bounce back uh, as uh, the D- DC took over, 35 to 24 win over Maryland, or excuse me, Purdue, a 23-10 win over Maryland. They lost 24 to 10 to Iowa. They won 15 to 14 by one over a hapless Nebraska team. Then they lost to rival Minnesota 23-16. Six and six on the season was good enough to get them to a bowl game. Luke Fickle comes in, takes over, wins in his first game as head coach at Wisconsin in a bowl game 24 to 17. Last year, Vegas said this was a nine-win team. I said, yep, that's exactly what they are, nine and three, so I didn't bet anything on them. Chris, you said, uh-uh, I think they're eight and four, take the under. You were right. At six and six, they ended up uh, being under the nine wins, and you were on the money last year with that. Chris, Wisconsin was a kind of a, a very up-and-down season for them, but it offered – the athletic department and the fan base clear like clarification. We need to make a change. It, it told them that. And they were quick to pull the trigger midseason. And because of that, I think they are sitting in a much better place today than they were a year ago at this point. Your thoughts? Yeah, they're absolutely in a better place today than they were a year ago. Now, first of all, I, I want to correct you on something. You kind of slighted Washington State there a little bit, Eric. They are the pride of what's left of the Pac-12. So, come on. Let's let's give a little love to Washington State. Uh, sure. No, th- this, this was a team that was just in disarray last year. Um, you know, obviously, o- Ohio State handed them a humiliating loss, that 52-21 loss in Columbus. And I'll tell you, Eric, you know, you hear the phrase a lot of times, and the game wasn't that close. It truly wasn't. 14 of those points came very, very late in the game. Um, you know, the the Illinois loss hurt them. Uh, it, they did better, like you said, after the D.C. came on, took the reins a little bit. But they're in a better position this year at head coach by far. I think Luke Fickle is going to do tremendous things there. They're in better position at quarterback. I think uh, Skippy, uh, what was it? Graham Mertz, I believe, was the Skippy. Skippy Mertz. <laughs> Skippy Mertz, uh, you know, just was not the answer at quarterback. And I think the kid that transferred in from SMU is going to be a tremendous upgrade there. Yeah. Just across the board, this is a team that I think, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, I think is going to make a whole lot of noise this year. Yeah, I'm I'm with you actually. I, I I agree with you. So and welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. As you can see, we are joined by our special guest here, Rich Branch. He's the co-host of the Buck Around podcast. So we're gonna buck around and we're gonna find out. 
about Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do here. You're the Rich. first person who's figured out the title of our show and what the little play on words is there. Very good, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I, I was born at night, but not last night. Uh, so let's start right here, man. You guys' head coach is, a, is, a, is an alum. He's a he is a loved Buckeye from Central Ohio, uh, a, one who many of us thought would be the next head coach after Urban Meyer. That didn't happen. He goes from Cincinnati to Madison, Wisconsin. And I'll be honest with you, Ohio State fans have that game circled as we are fearful. Um, Luke Fickle will have a chip on his shoulder. Wisconsin is a very good program, and there's a lot of buzz around the Big Ten from our perspective that Wisconsin has got the right man for the for the position and the changes that he's going to make is something that a lot of us were always fearful of Wisconsin doing. We knew you could run the football. We knew you had a great offensive line. We knew you played good defense. The one thing we always kind of chuckled at was would they ever be able to pass the football? And it looks like that's going to happen. What is the perspective from Badger Faithful on Luke Fickle and that hire for you and your program? Uh, you know, uh, to me personally, obviously it was very much a surprise. The conventional wisdom after Christ was fired, uh, you know, basically back-to-back won the Ohio State game where they just didn't even look like a Division One team. And then Illinois beating them was just the nail in the coffin. But, you know, the, the whole assumption for the rest of that interim period uh, through the fall, kind of like Luke Fickle in 2011, ironically enough, was that Jim Leonard, the, the, home, the hometown kid, was going to be named the head coach. And when he wasn't, because uh, it really was played very close to the vest, that all of a sudden it's Luke Fickle, sort of all of us were doing this. Well, I guess we have video, so I don't have to describe it like we do on our pod, but we were all looking around in shock in terms of people who watch Badger football because they went out and hired arguably the most, um, I guess, on paper, it's the best hire, and I'm using air quotes there. Again, I'm forgetting you have video. I don't have to do that. But, uh, you know, it's him or Matt Rule or who were the A-list guys. I mean, on our show, we were trying to – we're saying if it's not Leonard, uh, you know, we were trying to talk people off the Lance Leipold ledge. Like, no, no, no. You, you, let's not go running after a guy who goes at 6-7 and seven at Kansas. I don't know if that's really, like, where Wisconsin should be looking, whether or not he was at Whitewater. I mean, we were talking ourselves into uh, Dave Clawson on our, on our podcast like as an alternative. And to say I went from talking myself into Dave Clawson to, oh my gosh, they got Luke Fickle. You realize you had some Stockholm syndrome there. So um, I think the response overwhelmingly has been positive. There was definitely some initial uh, maybe trepidation about a betrayal of Jim Leonard. But I think the reality is when you look at this, you can't argue with the hire. I mean, they, they hired a coach who was in the college football playoff, which the Badgers have not done. Um, it was a major win. So I think the other part of that, which is something you touched on, I think the fan base was far more open to this because the other hometown son, Paul Christ had been here, you know, since 2015 and uh, the entire identity of the team had been the defense, which he really doesn't have much to do with and Jonathan Taylor. And beyond that, and they just, they didn't really have any identity that you could say he shaped and molded. The offensive line was good. It's not as good as it has been. They're still putting guys in the league. There have been, 
picks there, but not to the same, you know, say level of maybe a decade ago. Uh, you know, really sort of tail end of Brett Bielema's tenure. Really, since then, there has been a little bit of a downslide. They've, again, had the good individuals, but maybe not the whole unit, top to bottom, left to right, five guys like they've had in the past. So I think overall, fan base is excited. Um, the interesting thing is he is, as a coach, much more interested in a fan engagement in a way that Paul Christ just never was. I mean, Paul Christ was the coach who was just dying to sit in an office until three o'clock in the morning and watch film in a dark room with just a monitor on the wall. And he's just working the clicker. I mean, he is the proverbial, you know, uh, film guy for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term. Whereas Luke Fickle is much more uh, engaged outwardly in terms of trying to build energy and excitement around his program. Um, But to sort of ramble more through this answer, if you don't mind, I think really the big story about Wisconsin is not Luke Fickle. It's actually Chris McIntosh, who is the athletic director. I think the fact that Chris went outside the family, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, is really the major, major story because Barry Alvarez, uh, not so much as coach, but as athletic director really wanted the program turning inwards and looking for its coaches from within. And Paul Crisp was that guy, you know, he brought in Gary Anderson for two years and those two hated each other. (laughs) And he kind of basically ran him out of town. He left for Oregon state, which is a bizarre coaching move. If you really think about it going back a decade, uh, and he brought in Paul Christ and Paul Christ, after he came in, just kept bringing in Wisconsin guys. I mean, there was a point where the head coach, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, the tight ends coach, the, if I'm getting the timing right, defensive line coach. And yeah, that's it. We're all Wisconsin alums. So that's six true. out of 10 guys were Wisconsin alums. So there was an idea of, you know, you find our answers in house, but I kind of think maybe that also leads to a little bit of inbreeding <laughs> and maybe a <laughs> lack of creative thinking. And they were able to get away with it on defense. Cause quite honestly, I mean, Jim Leonard is like a generational coordinator. We don't know what it'll be in the future, but to this point in his career, he was really a remarkable coordinator in terms of the defenses he was putting together. Um, but it was time for a change. And the fact that McIntosh, again, didn't pick Jim Leonard and kept it so quiet, nobody knew that he was going outside. I mean, it was it was just totally under under the radar and totally unknown. I mean, we had long established uh, beat guys here putting out the word. It's Leonard. It's Leonard. It's Leonard. You know, this is going to be his contract. This is what it's going to be. And all of that turned out to be untrue. Wow. Uh, and, you know, when we found out about it hours before it was public. So it's it was a really bold move. We don't know if it'll work out, obviously. But the fact that Chris looked at this and said, Wisconsin needs to change. Wisconsin needs to modernize because the game really is changing and it needs to adapt to it is is really a story to me mm-hmm. uh, through all of this. So, you know, it's funny. We used to call Paul Chris vanilla ice cream. I mean, yeah. So- so plain. I mean, it's good, but it's plain. You know, you got to add something to it. Um, is there a fear among Badger faithful that if Ryan Day were to exit or go to the NFL or continue to le- lose to that team up north, that Luke Fickle will get the phone call from Columbus, Ohio? Is that a is that a real fear? Is that something that's being 
talked about, or is it hush hush? Don't even mention it. Oh no, it's. I mean, that was the big knock about not taking Jim Leonard. The the whole concept was take Jim Leonard because Jim's never going to leave. You know, he mm. turned down the back the Packers defensive coordinator job. He's turned down head coaching interviews. He's he turned down Alabama. Nick Saban came hunting for him, and he would have gotten a lot of money at Alabama, and he stayed at Madison. So the idea was. Well, Jim wants to be here because Jim is going to stay here forever. This is the forever job for a, I forget how old Jim, Jim's about 40 years old. Um, you know, this is the forever job for him. Here's the guy for the next 15 years. Uh, and that was the knock against Luke Fickle. Well, as soon as you hire Luke Fickle, he's going to go to Ohio State. And I mean, the obvious answer is if you hire a coach and he gets hired away by anybody, whether it's Ohio state or any blue blood, you know, like any program that's above Wisconsin in that pecking order, you know, sort of that food chain of college football, that means he's doing really well. <laughs> so why are you fearing that? If you have a coach who comes in, you know, for him to get hired, he's got to be, you know, to be successful at Wisconsin, the barometer is like 10 and two, get to the big 10 title game, and then maybe find a way to beat somebody from the East. Like that's really the, the next step for this program. And if he's consistently 10 and two and putting in the big title game, that's great. They haven't been doing that. You know, they had 2019 and since 2019, they've been 13 and 11 against the big 10. That's terrible. That's not Wisconsin football. That's not right. what is expected of the program uh, in terms of, you know, like to Badger. I mean, I think Badger fans are pretty aware of where they are in the food chain and saying, you know, like, you're the best team in the West, you know? I mean, this is the best program in the West or should be, and it's not playing like it. So if a guy comes in and brings them back to that, that's great. That's a great problem to have. Um, I think the only thing I think the Badgers have going for them uh, in terms of that, you know, in terms of that situation is there's only one team. I really do believe that. I mean, he, interestingly enough, the, the, the thing that I'm fascinated about is, why Notre Dame and Luke Fickle never happened because mm -hmm. it it's to me, what made Wisconsin a yes, but Notre Dame a no. Now maybe Notre Dame didn't show interest. I really don't know, but that is the great mystery and the great enigma to me because I would never think of Wisconsin as a better job than Notre Dame. I really wouldn't. Um, and it's interesting to me because they were, say three years ago, pretty toe to toe with, with Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. And to a point where I'd say the Badgers could get the guy 40% of the time. Whereas five years before that, if there was a Wisconsin, you know, a guy Wisconsin offered and then Notre Dame offered, I just said, Oh, well, let's just not think about that guy anymore. Cause he's going to go to Notre Dame, but they got to themselves where, where they had a, a puncher's chance uh, against Notre Dame, which I thought was pretty significant, but still thought of Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame, right? It's old leather helmets and black and white film. It's a, it's a different thing than Wisconsin, which basically has, you know, a 30 year history in football. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it, you know, Notre Dame's interesting because of the way that they are set up. Uh, I really think that what I've gathered, Marcus Freeman's kind of had his hands tied with NIL and things of that nature because of, the administration or the the fathers i guess you could say that are at notre dame but that's a that's an interesting uh one to talk about and uh dissect and bring up down the road so let's talk a little bit about the offensive changes so the the, the fan base is this welcomed was 
Uh, obviously, is it, it, number one, does the fan base want it? And number two, is it expected with more passing, more of a spread offense, more of a up-to-date 50% run, 50% pass type of offense for Wisconsin this year? So let's start with, I guess, start with sort of what the fan base thinks. I mean, there is no fan base. I mean, there probably is, but to me, that really, I, I guess because I get exposed to it a lot, but no fan base that more identified with a style of football versus the results of an offense than Wisconsin and a pro style offense in terms of, you know, you're going to be two tight ends. It's going to be a lot of shifts. It's going to be, you know, you're going to stack them in the box and just pile it through. And, you know, the idea back in the day was it negated talent deficiencies on the edge because you don't need speed at offensive line. You just need strength and you need technique and you need development. And then you take a tight end, an inline tight end and basically make them an extension of that offensive line. You take a fullback and make them an extension of that offensive line and add another tight end at H and he's not quite an, you know, an extension of the offensive line, but he's a big boy who could push. And the idea was just grade it forward and you can find a way and you can bust plays if everybody hits their assignment properly and somebody misses a gap on defense and you give it to a guy like Jonathan Taylor or, you know, Melvin Gordon and they'll house it. But um, that really doesn't work anymore, especially because Wisconsin's offense could not find a way to throw. Uh, The big sort of second half of, of Chris's tenure was the fact that they brought in a really highly rated quarterback in Graham Mertz. Uh, They had this four-star kid who was offered by Ohio State, who was offered by these other teams, and they kept him. Uh, He never panned out, but they definitely, to use the words you just used, I felt like the hands were tied a little bit uh, after he came in because there was never a plan B. None of the other quarterbacks, I mean, they had one who just played in the, what was it, the guaranteed rate bowl. They just played against um, Oklahoma State. Chase Wolf wasn't a division one, a quarterback. He cannot make those throws or I'm using an old term FBS quarterback, but they had other ones behind him who transferred out and were going, you know, FCS. So they, they never had another option to throw the ball and they never really had the options at receiver. And then fickles hired. And honestly, the big part is Phil Longo was brought in at offensive coordinator, which is again, I think just as big a story as fickle What you know, you bring in this, you know, again, best coach in the country, but then you also go out and you get one of the bigger names as an offensive coordinator to come in and totally revolutionize the system. And fans are behind it because right away they brought in three, four-star quarterbacks in the portal. I mean, you got the starter Tanner Mordecai, you've got Braden Locke behind him who they, they pulled from Mississippi state. And then they've got Nick Evers from where's Nick from, I think it's Oklahoma who is, you know, three, four-star guys that they've set themselves up for a competition for the next three years. And then on top of that, they've got commitments from two four-star kids in the come in 24 and 25, which is something Wisconsin never did before. So they're going to change the offense, but they've also walked the walk because at receiver, they brought CJ Williams from USC, who was a borderline five-star kid at wide receiver at Wisconsin, which is a bizarre thing to say. They brought Bryson green from Oklahoma state who right now looks like he might be the most polished guy in the wide receiver room. Um, who are the other ones? They brought, they brought in three. They will Pauling slot kid from Cincinnati. So he brought in his best, you know, he picked out of his roster at Cincinnati a little bit guys that he thought he could slide right in and play. Um, and, and, and 
they're good. Like they, they brought in talent there. They're going to have five or six guys who can rotate at wide receiver. They are going to throw. I mean, just because of the bodies they brought in. And what's interesting to me is they've had some attrition at tight end, but they haven't really gone out and tried to replace it, which tells you a lot about where the offense is going to change. They took a walk-on fullback and Riley Nowakowski shifted him to tight end, gave him a scholarship. He's now presumably the starting tight end, but I think he's going to be a guy who's shifting around a lot behind the line, but he says a lot about body style. You know, he's six foot two versus a traditional Wisconsin tight end. Who's going to be six, five, six, six, and say two sixty. If they're an inline guy, he's, you know, I think about two thirty five, two forty. So he's a little more, um, a little more mobile, a little bit more like a, you got to be a pass catching threat. They basically, what they're looking at it as, I don't want a tight end anymore. Who's just a hat on a hat in a blocking scheme. I need a guy I can put off the line and just take that play. It functionally does the same thing, right? It takes the guy out of the play on defense because they got to put a hat on a hat but he doesn't need to execute anything for that to happen. He just needs to be out there and be a viable pass catching option. So I definitely think Badger fans are going to see them throw the ball more. And I think they're receptive to it now because they've watched for five years, a team without an offense that really hums. It really didn't. Uh, And there was a need to change things up a bit because it was becoming a hard place to attract talent. I mean, if, if you look at what they did just by effectively, you know, essentially changing the scheme, they're able to bring kids in that they never would in the past without giving up anything. I mean, they're still humming, uh, you know, at running back, they're not going to take away carries. They're going to take what I I hate to use this phrase because everybody's been using, it's like been beaten to death, but the offense is going to take what's given to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Longo ran the ball plenty at North Carolina. When he had running backs, he ran the ball plenty. He has two running backs on this team. Braylon Allen, I don't think maybe is as good as maybe he gets hyped. He gets a little too much like this, you know, this is the year and then he enters the draft and I'm like, he's not a top end guy. He is tackle to tackle. He's definitely not sub, you know, four or five. He's just not that quick, but he's a big dude who can hit. Uh, and he's a solid, good contributing piece. And then you've got Ches Malusi, who I think is going to benefit quite a bit from this offense because he's a little more cut and go. He's a little more bursty. I think he's also a guy who can catch the ball. Um, but I think they're going to find ways to give those guys 18, 20 carries a game and probably, you know, less than a half dozen, but maybe three, four or five touches through the air in a game. So they, it will be different, but it will also look a lot the same in a lot of ways. So what's going to be the strength and weakness of Wisconsin football in 2023? Of all of it? Well, I'd say the big question mark for me is probably defensive side. I think the defensive line lost, I think, the best defensive lineman they've had in a decade in um, Keanu Benton at nose tackle. He didn't really show against Ohio State, so probably a lot of your listeners – didn't really see him because that defense was a, I mean, the whole offense, Ohio state was basically get away from Keanu Benton and you're not going to see him. And it worked because the rest of the team couldn't answer for him. Uh, But he was a true nose tackle who took on a double team and just demolished offensive lines all season. And they don't have somebody to replace him. I mean, they have uh, replace replacement level players, as I like to say, like Vorp of zero, if you're going to steal a baseball term, 
uh, at at Nose and Gio Paez, who's a fifth year guy who's who can play, but he's rotational. He's not a double teamer. He's not a two gap nose. Um, they have decent uh, a guy from Columbus, actually a defensive end, Rodis Johnson, who I like, but he just isn't totally consistent. Uh, he'll he'll show you burst and he'll show you some things, but then he'll kind of wash a little bit and disappear. But I think he and James Thompson, who's from Cincinnati, uh, are, are the one-two at defensive line. But then behind them, it kind of drops a little bit. And even those guys, I don't think are super top end. They're just they're solid pieces. They're plus pieces, but they're not you know great players. So I think what they do at defensive line, how they try to get creative there, is going to be a big question because I, I think that's maybe where you can uh, push around this defense a little bit because they are shifting from. I, you know, they said it was a three, four, but it was really a two, four, five. They played the nickel more than anything. And they're shifting into this three, three, five that Trestle brings with him that Mike Trestle, defensive coordinator right. brings with him that very, is, very popular name in these parts. Well, I mean, this is all like sort of the, uh, D'Antonio side of the Ohio state tree. Yes. It's really heavy on this it team. It really is. Yeah. The defensive uh, in, side. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. I mean, there's a lot of fingerprints there and, um, It'll be interesting to see how they adjust. They have really good linebackers. I mean, they have three guys who I think they're not maybe as good as, say, like a Leo Chennault, who we've seen recently, who's now on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who was a second-round pick. Um, but they're just a step behind those guys, and there's three of them. And uh, it, uh, watch out for Mumo Nongjeta and Jake Cheney, who was kind of the third guy at inside linebacker, but I think he's going he's gonna to push his way in. Uh, and compete for time with Jordan Turner, but they have some athleticism there. They have some smart players uh, and I, who I think are pretty solid. And the secondary is especially at safety. They, they, they're very good at safety. If you want a guy to watch this year for, for your listeners, Hunter Wohler is going to be a fun player to watch. He was a kid from Wisconsin. He was hurt a little bit as he played as a true freshman, but got hurt a little bit. And this year, if he stays healthy, I mean, he's in the, he's a high level safety, the, the closest I could think of in recent times that they've had would be a guy like Jay Valai, who I was just talking with another friend about who was a, a, a Badger about a decade ago, who was really a fun college player who liked to hit, who could play at the line, who can cover, who has hips, has stuff that you don't see from a lot of Wisconsin safeties. But on the defensive side, it's definitely uh, go after the line of scrimmage. That's, that's going to be where I think they're going to need to come up with some answers offensively. I it's very hard to say where I think you attack this offense. Cause it's all new. Like this is all we're looking at right. proof of concept, right? We're looking at all I've seen now is the prototype. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I think the question on offense is going to be, it's not going to hold the ball as much. There's going to be more three and outs in 57 seconds of game time. Cause they're going to play fast and they're going to throw the ball. And there's going to be those things that they didn't really have in the past. That's going to indirectly test the defense. So I think maybe the trick with the offense is, is if you can throw it off early and maybe put the defense behind schedule, or I guess, I guess you're directly putting the offense behind schedule, indirectly putting the defense behind schedule and maybe beating them up a little bit early and pushing them on depth. I think that's maybe how you exploit the offense. Cause it's going to, I think it's going to score points. Uh, they have some explosive players and they have some balance and, the big question, the weakest spot is undoubtedly tight end, but I come back to this isn't your dad's Wisconsin tight end. 
this is going to be a different offense. They're going to be used differently. So I'm not, I don't know what my concern level should be if I'm a Badger fan that, you know, they have a converted walk on and then a couple young guys sort of sprinkled in there. I, I don't think that that's something that is super high on my list, but I think it's mostly just throw the offense off offensive off early and build a lead. And granted, this offense is better at coming back than past Wisconsin offenses, right. theoretically. That, but that was still. that was kind of the that was kind of the running joke was if yeah. you could get out on two scores on Wisconsin, just sit on it. Yeah, for sure, for sure, because they couldn't adjust. So, right. but I, I think that's what you do now, just in a different way. You know, you know they're going to score, but it's at least get ahead a little bit and maybe wipe out their defense early so that you can keep scoring. Because I think the defense will be good. I don't think it's going to be real, real good like it was, say, two years ago, but more in line with what it was last year. I think the defense is still a top 25 defense, you know, somewhere in there. I don't know what the offense is yet just because it's all conjecture. I think it'll score. I think it has talent, but can it put put it all together? I don't know. Sure. So what's the – in your mind, what is the ceiling and what is the floor and what is your prediction? (sighs) So let's pull up schedule because I always like to do this off schedule. The non-conference lines up well, theoretically. You've got a Buffalo, Georgia Southern, which are, are two wins. Washington State and Washington, you know, in Pullman is like, they lost to him last year, which was really the harbinger of things. Yeah, it's the one Pac-12 school that's kind of like still there with, St- with, with Oregon <laughs> State. Like, uh, anybody want to play? <laughs> so it's going to be a weird game let's say they can sweep it. I don't know if I'm convinced of that, but let's say they do. You've got Iowa in Madison. You've got Illinois on the road, which is weird to say is a tough game, but I don't know how, let's see how good they're going to be. They're kind of a unknown at this point. I mean, they lost a lot of guys. They do, but that defensive line, holy. Yeah. It's up there. It is really good. But if you can work around that, maybe you can generate some points. Sure. Um, I am not. You, you got to you know, get I, Illinois going side to side defensively. Yeah, I think you're right. Use the whole field, and you're going to create gaps. I I think your ceiling is. I think you're looking at ten and two. Really? Yeah. I what think if that's I a what if I told you I think you're an eleven and one football team? I tell you, I my name is the Prince of Darkness. On our podcast, because... You've <laughs> fallen angel, are you? Huh? Yeah, I am, because I do not... I don't think 11 and... I, I get it. I get it. I mean, maybe he hits the ground running. I think there's a lot of... I mean, my bold prediction... We do a bold prediction thing on our show, and I did it back after spring, and my fun one was the Badgers beat Ohio State, but they're going to lose something stupid. Um, It's not what I actually believe, but I know a lot of... Ohio State fans are paranoid about that. I don't. It's not happening this year. It's not happening. This year. Maybe I'm, it will happen, but I am I am extremely paranoid about it. I think that, in all honesty, I think the game in Madison might be a more difficult away game for Ohio State than in South Bend, Indiana this year. Which, by the way, this is a take this one to the water cooler for you. First time since the 1800s that Ohio State's playing six road games in a year, and three of them in the state of Indiana. It's never happened in college football. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a yeah it's That's it's weird man it's a weird one it really is 
but I, I don't, you know, I, what I think a successful season and what I think is a realistic season is just writing the ship a little bit, stabilizing things. They need to beat I know this sounds weird. They need to beat Minnesota and re, I mean, th- it was 14 straight years of beating Minnesota and then Minnesota just RPO them to death for the last three years and, you know, hit seven yard slants all day off the RPO and then took it to the house that they just didn't have an answer for. And it was mostly because they couldn't score back and they got to get back above them. They've got to win convincingly against Iowa They've got to, that's, that's the stable stuff. They got to stabilize. It's get back above Illinois, which I think he can do this year. I really do. I mean, he infused a ton of talent in this team and recruiting wise, they're just doing really simple stuff like recruiting cornerbacks who are taller than six feet. I mean, it's kind of bizarre that there's nothing different. These guys talent profile wise, aren't really any better than what they got in the past. They're just, they're now saying, give me the physical athleticism and I'll teach them technique versus give us technical guys and will they'll compensate for being five yeah. ten type of thing. Here's, here, here's another nugget for you that you can take it to the bank. If if Luke Fickle is really high on a three star guy, he's really a four or five star guy. He will develop the heck out of that player. He has done it so many times. That was basically – he went to bat against Urban Meyer when he was the defensive coordinator for some of the three-star local kids that Urban's like, we ain't taking them. And he's like, no, we need this guy. And Urban's like, no, nah, we can go down to Florida and get a four-star. And, and, he, and he would say, no, look, Urban, this three-star kid from Ohio is better than that four-star kid from Florida. And he would become an all-Big Ten, uh, all-American linebacker, Second round draft pick in the NFL. So when when Luke says when he takes a three star kid, especially at linebacker or in the defensive backfield, he's better than that rating. I promise you. I promise you. I think that's kind of in as I like to say in the world of Badger fan fiction, what what they're hoping for at this point is take it to the bank, man. Well, well, so hopefully because on the defensive side, I can't I can't answer to the offensive side because he didn't recruit offensive players when he was at Ohio State. But defensive guys, when he put his signature on someone who was not Ohio State caliber, that kid almost 95% of the time ended up being a starter by year number three and an all-Big Ten performer. It'd be interesting to see because that's really what, you know, we used to say what holds back Wisconsin from getting to the next level. You know, say in like 2018, 2019, when they were playing New Year's Six Bowls, when they were in a, they were hitting and they were sort of really hitting on all cylinders there, it was always – they need cornerbacks. I mean, I watched Penn State just throw the ball over them, right? I mean, it was that was that 2018 in the uh, Big Ten title game. I'm probably getting the year wrong, but it's not important. You just watch it. You have nightmares about sort of these shorter guys just getting outbodied. And if he can do that, I think there is something to be said that it will put Wisconsin in a better position to play against uh, – teams that just have a better level of talent than they do, you know, on paper, because what's been happening to them really for the last, really for the last decade has been, well, since the last time I beat Ohio state since 2010, right. My daughter is in high school and she was, it wasn't even one years old when Wisconsin last beat Ohio state is a way to think of it. Um, It's been that long, huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, wow. you've had, I, I, I was, well, that makes sense. I'm 42 and I was yeah. in, I was, uh, in college and then a, a new father and starting my adulthood life when Trestle was having all of those amazing battles with, with, Con with Wisconsin. That was, that was our big rival when Trestle was here. It's funny the, you say the battles that. with Wisconsin because I well I knew as soon as you you know it, there there was a certain age well, I'm in the same age as you you know I'm a few years older than you but every Ohio State fan I talk to who's about my age you know because it's 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 dads at soccer games <laughs> you know that's that's who you end up talking to about this stuff who are college football fans and they're like oh man I worry about Ohio State and it's like guys you're forgetting the fact that this hasn't happened since 2010 like I know you were there when Alvarez was there but that was because they would do this at the line and Ohio state adapted Wisconsin has not. So it'll be, this is the big test. Like does, does the adaptation take and does it work? And I yeah. think we'll so, see so, with Longo. So if but, the ceiling is, if you think the ceiling is 10 and two, what's the floor? Like an eight and four. I mean, this is pretty high floor. I think it's an eight, four, nine, three. So you don't think there's okay. Yeah. Eight, four, 10 and two. You think it's going to be just a couple different games games difference really i think it's going to be one score stuff that you throw the dice type of thing on a few of them that, like that how do you sense. get to four losses it's tough but it's like you know the offense doesn't gel before washington state and they lose something ugly like 13 7 or you know 2013 or something like that and then they lose ohio state and then they lose you know an iowa or a minnesota and maybe you have but it's other parts like is nebraska sorted out and resurgent you know it's that kind of stuff you just don't know yeah you, you don't know. I, mean, I think you got to give them a year. Well, fair enough, but you could make the same argument, I guess, with Wisconsin. But theoretically, I think the roster is better built You're, than Nebraska's. Yeah, I think Luke Fickle's got a lot more toys to play with in and Madison he's than what been pretty vocal got. about that. I mean, it was interesting to me at Media Days. He came out, and you know, I know some of it's political because he really he's very conscious of I need the buy-in of the fan base. And his first thing is to talk about Barry Alvarez and Paul Christ and, you know, all yeah. these guys who came before me, Brett Bielema. He, I think he even mentioned Brett Bielema, which was interesting. Well, we you know, coached, coached against him. I, I know. And so he's sort of like, you know, I'm taking the reins of these guys. And it's not often that, you know, they cite the coach who was just fired, but he kind of gets like, the fan base, it's interesting to me. I don't think Wisconsin fans have a lot of anger or frustration with Paul Chris. They kind of got, I think, for the most part, like the fans that I care with and care engaging with, I guess would be how I put it, like kind of all understood, like that guy did something. I mean, he was successful, but he kind of ran out of tricks, you know, and it was time to go. And they handed it off to a new guy who's got new tricks. And it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I think it's, it certainly makes sense to me on paper and I'm, yeah. I'm very intrigued to watch it. Like, I think it's going to be a really fun and interesting season win or lose just to watch, just to see how this is so different from the Wisconsin that I grew up with, you know, yeah. as a fan. One more, one more question. Got yeah, a sure. fun one. one. Got a fun one for you. What is the pulse of the fan base when it comes to all of the changes recently with big 10 expansion, college realignment four pack 12 schools, going to be even further west than wisconsin now i mean it used to be nebraska was the furthest west right. and before them it was you guys in minnesota and iowa and now it's way out west what's the feeling now about uh, that so we actually just talked about this on our last show um it's interesting to me because if you go back and you look you know who were the two additions 
you know, the, the, the additions in my lifetime, right? I'm, I'm 46 years old. It was Penn state. Yep. Right. And that made sense. Mm-hmm. Penn state made sense. You're like, okay, yep. Nebraska made sense. They look and act and feel like big 10 schools. And when they came in, it was okay. This is, you know, sort of broadening the appeal of the conference. It's teams that very much fit the blueprint. It's traditions. It's this, it's that it was nothing else than that. And then it, it really changes honestly with Rutgers and Maryland because the sell on Rutgers and Maryland was TV. Um, and all, all this stuff now is, and I, by the way, I'm a guy who lives in Connecticut. So I think it's great. They added Rutgers cause I get to see a Badger game every three years without having to fly or, you know, or two out of three, because now they play Maryland enough. So I, I can take a train to that. Like it, it, I like it that way. Do I think it's good for the conference? No. Um, but it, it's nice just for me as a fan in the New York city Metro area. But I think, um, the general reaction has been sort of like this is just turning into the NFL on Saturdays. Oh yeah. That's all it is. It's TV product. Um, And it's being driven. I mean, everybody's that's kind of the the general consensus. It doesn't make any sense. And it's kind of resignation. Like we all know it's happening and there's no control over it because it's, it's money. Right. And they're all driven by, I mean, this is being driven by people at Fox and ESPN more than anything. We're just saying we need more content. And there's TV executives that say, look how much money we make on NFL. Make your stuff like the NFL. And I think for a lot of us, you know, for me personally, it's not going to make me not watch the Badgers. I'll, of course, watch the Badgers. I'll, of course, watch traditional. Like, my interest is, you know, the Badgers, Big Ten teams, and then the rest of college football because I have a context and a flavor. Like I'll always watch an Ohio state game because there's a context and a flavor. I've seen enough of them in camp rattle, or I've seen enough of the badgers in the horseshoe to like, you know what I mean? Like to have a picture in my mind, just like you do when you say, Oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's Barry Alvarez and they're going to grind it and they're going to beat Ohio state this year. Like there's something that's in you that's been internalized. It's right. And I've had too many bad Saturday right. nights in my life, man. <laughs> well, I go into it just saying, well, I mean, la- when the last year I'm like, well, they're not going to win this game. And then 15 minutes in, it's like, oh yeah, they, they hurt me again. You know, like I, I know what this is. They're going to get run off the field. And uh, so f- to me, it's kind of like, there's going to be teams that have no context to me and they're not really big 10 teams. And it's just going to be building this thing into some sort of weird playoff monolith that isn't fun like they're gonna have it's just it's throwing things off without solving anything like what is going to be the purpose of the guaranteed rate bowl in there, three there years will, there will be no purpose yeah and it's not going to exist like it has to go away it, so they're just I, creating I, more yeah. chaos i i do think the bowl system is eventually going to die it's going to die a long death i mean they're they're going to you're going to have to pull the bowls from their <laughs> dead fingers well until but, they don't make money it's when right. they stop making money I mean, the, essentially, the different rounds are just going to be the different bowls. I mean, I, I kind yeah. of just it may be expanded, but um, it, during the, the regular season, my my expectation is going to be that a Purdue game on a Saturday night, Saturday afternoon in Los Angeles against UCLA is going to very much feel like a mid-level bowl game in the middle of the season. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I like it's, that. It's just going to feel odd at first. Um, I don't know that it'll ever truly, I mean, eventually the younger generation is going to come up and they're just going to be like, oh yeah, 
USC's right. been in the Big Ten my whole life, and we're going to be like, uh, <laughs> there was this thing called the Pac-12 many years ago. <laughs> Sit down like, by the rocking chair, yeah. young man. The Pac-12, what is that? Oh, it's yeah. kind of like the Big Eight. What, the Big Eight? What? There was only eight teams in a conference? <laughs> There's, it's going to be very interesting, you know, to, to see the, how the different generations accept it. But for us guys who are now middle-aged right. men, and then, of course, we heard about all those old timers telling us, you know, you know, the big two and little eight, and right. All those, all those stories and those changed and it took a while for those to change. It's going to take a while for this to change, but I am excited about some of the new matchups that it creates. Um, Oregon and Ohio state have a very friendly rivalry with one another. We respect one another, even though we beat the living hell out of them nine straight times until a couple years ago when we just, uh, couldn't stop one play over and over and over again for some reason, which got that guy fired. Um, but what I'm getting at is like, that's cool. Ohio state and USC have played like it's almost 20 sometimes. Right. Most of them in bowl games, most of them back in the fifties and sixties, but uh, that's going to be fun. I'm going to be really intrigued to see where the big 10 goes from here. Do they go to 20, 24? Do they go South to try to really expand the, footprint to where we're they literally say from north to south east to west and they're trying to kind of compete with sec which is essentially what we're all seeing but right i i explained it on our podcast this is world war ii and your nations are the television deal is the television companies nbc fox and cbs have all made an alliance with one another and they're going up against ESPN, ABC, and the pieces, the schools, those are the pieces on the war, on the risk board. That's what they're gathering together, pulling together uh, to eventually do war with one another. And so if Fox and CBS and NBC look at um, the LA market and say, we can compete and win with that market, we're going to take it. Yeah. Seattle market, we're going to take it. I think the the last blue chip outside of the few pieces in the ACC that might eventually disband and get picked up here and there will be Notre Dame. Can they can they squeeze independence from them some way? But you know that's that's neither here nor there. I was just curious to get your get your feelings. Tell everybody here. Thank you so much again, Rich, for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find uh, Buck around and find out. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, if you're a podcast person, just whatever you use is podcasting software. Just search for Buck Around. You'll find us. Um, or even simpler, just go to buckaroundpodcast.com. That just redirects to our link tree, and it's got all our pod feeds. It's got our socials. It's got our contact stuff. Even has our call-in number. So cool. if you want to call and yell at us and tell, tell me what a stupid appearance it was, please do, because I always play those <laughs> at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but we Beautiful. actually have uh paul a, a certain fan of our show paul from madison who calls in regularly um who is just a listener who loves to do a paul christ impression and was crushed when paul christ was fired but he just keeps calling in so he keeps making appearances for those who are curious but yeah yeah so if anybody's interested um my pitch always especially to other fan bases we are not a homer show um, we're, I think we're kind of like, we are consciously aware of our bias or at least try to be. So we right. try to be as objective as we can while at the same time having maybe the depth and breadth of knowledge of someone who is a fan of a team. So I think we're kind of a good balance that way. If you're not 
a Badger fan and you're looking for something else to put in your, your pod feed. So yeah, go give us a listen. Um, I've got a big mouth and I have a lot to, lot to say. And then I have a co-host who's the same way. So you get twice as much of us. So yeah, that's our story. Thanks, Eric. This was, uh, this was fun. I don't get to do these as much. My co-host usually did these, but, uh, I don't know. I felt like talking this morning and you got me on vacation. So good move. Good on you, man. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you again so much, man. And uh, good luck this season. Hey, thanks, man. Chris, let's jump into the projected starters this year for Wisconsin, starting with the offense first. Now, you mentioned him and we got done talking about him. Tanner Mordecai comes over from SMU, the gunslinger from down south is uh, going to be doing the same, I think, for Wisconsin as this offense has obviously changed uh, philosophy from ground and pound to a little bit more of a balanced attack under Luke Fickle. Back at running back is one of, if not the Big Ten's best running back, in my opinion, in Braylon Allen, who is a junior. Again, I know people from Ann Arbor will argue with me and even people from Columbus, but Braylon Allen has, I think he's more of the total package here. He's the NFL body, and uh, the the track record in Wisconsin tells you that Braylon Allen is going to be a good one in the NFL. He'll be running behind an offensive line that is, for for all all purposes, one of the younger ones in the Big Ten. A lot of offensive lines in the Big Ten are very senior-laden. That is not the case uh, for Wisconsin. Jack Nelson is a redshirt junior. Tanner Bordellini is a redshirt junior. They welcome in transfer Jake Renfro, who is a redshirt junior. Michael Fertney is a redshirt senior. And Riley Malman is a redshirt sophomore. Joe Tipman was drafted. He's no longer with the team. At tight end, Clay Cundiff is a redshirt senior, so you have a fifth-year senior there at the tight end position. And then catching the ball for Mordecai will be senior Chimeri Dyke. Chimeri Dyke. Shamir. Shamir. Thank you. Chim Chim Chimeri. Shamir Dyke. Uh, I was watching too much Disney, I guess. Will Pauling, redshirt sophomore, is a transfer. And C.J. Williams is another sophomore transfer at the wide receiver position. Chris, your thoughts on Wisconsin's offense for 2023? I, I think, it, you know, people, like you said, are going to be used to that ground and pound, and they're still going to see Luke Fickle run the ball. Luke Fickle is going to run the ball. He's got two tremendous running backs with Braylon Allen, and um, you know what? The other kid's name slips my mind, but he was he was a very good running back last year as well. Their number two guy is pretty tough. Uh, the offensive line – that's going to be your question mark. Like you said, it's a little inexperienced, a little younger. But you know what? If there's one thing that Wisconsin always seems to have, it's a strong offensive line. Uh, you know Luke Fickle knows the importance of winning the battle in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to be just fine. Love Clay Cundiff. I think he's going to be a very good tight end for them this year. You know, we talked about it. Tight end may be very underrated in the Big Ten this year. I think we've got a lot of good ones who are going to develop who maybe don't have the hype right now. I think Cundiff's among those. Uh, and Shamir Dyke, another guy who didn't have huge numbers last year, but he was solid. I think he's going to have a great season this year. Uh, they've got a new offensive coordinator who likes to, to air it out, you know. So 
I'm not saying we're going to go to a an air raid type offense, Eric, but what we are going to have is, like you said, balance. And I think that this team has a lot of potential to get out there. And the good thing is they can throw the ball to get up. They can throw the ball to come back. And they have the ability to run the ball to sustain leads and, and run out the game. This is a very balanced attack. Very balanced. But here's the thing Wisconsin fans should get themselves ready for. The fact that they will not be so predictable offensively. Yes. You could just about mark it down. Wisconsin was going to run on first down, run on second down, and then have to try to throw on third down. That was Unless it was offense. less than three yards and they were going to run on third down too. Exactly. So – uh, they are they are much less predictable offensively, and I think that's going to be a welcome change to the Badger faithful. Flipping over the defensive side of things for Wisconsin at linebacker, um, I don't even want to know if I want to try. I can't even say Shamir's name right. I imagine Meme and Jong Meta. Yeah, sure, Meme Meme and Jog Meta, redshirt senior linebacker. Um, Let's go back and look at the defensive line first. Sorry. You got um, Rodas Johnson, redshirt senior. Geo Pays, redshirt senior. Isaiah Mullins, a redshirt senior. Uh, those are your defensive lines. So three seniors up front. Canoe uh, Benton it was drafted in the NFL. He was the one defensive lineman who left who went to the NFL. All right, linebackers. Maymay Injagmeta is a redshirt uh, senior. CJ Goats is a red sh- red shirt senior jordan turner is a red shirt junior and daryl peterson is a red shirt sophomore and nick herbig remember that get that fella he was everywhere man he, he was defensive he was, end linebacker wherever they needed him to go he went yeah he's doing the same in the nfl these days alexander smith is back red shirt senior cornerback and he's joined on the other side by ricardo hallman a red shirt sophomore um, at the safety position, you got Kamei Latu, a redshirt senior of Hawaiian descent, obviously. And Hunter Wooler is a junior at safety as well. Transferred in is sophomore kicker Nathaniel Vakos. And Jack Van Dyke is your senior punter. Chris, your thoughts on the gopher, or excuse me, on the badger, almost said gopher. They would have. Wisconsin fans are going to be mad at me already. If they weren't already, they are now on your Badger defense. Uh, I think that there's a couple players here on this defense who are going to have to re- be really big. Um, one of them is Isaiah Mullins. He's really going to have to step into that role, uh, fill in that role that Keanu Benton had last year. He's going to have to you know, provide some, some obviously – Stop the run, but he's also going to have to provide a little pressure from that three-man front. Mema Njogmeta, he's got a lot of talent. I feel like this is the guy who's got to step in and be the leader in that linebacker room. Uh, you know, you between Benton and Herbig, you lost not only a lot of talent, but a lot of leadership. The, those two guys, to me, Mullins and Njogmeta, are going to have to step up huge in both those capacities. Um, defensive backs, you know, their defensive backs are, are, are pretty much the same as what they were. Uh, they are, they got experience, hopefully, for Wisconsin's sake. The, the, you know, they'll maintain, a, at least maintain. But I think the, the, how well the defense does comes down to Mullins and Njogmeta. 
If they succeed, if they excel, this is going to be a very solid defense. If they I don't, I don't think it's going to take Luke Fickle long to make a change. I think solid is is a is a good description of yeah of this defense. It's solid. It's not game wrecking by no. any stretch of the imagination. Um, but when you look at the schedule that they have this season, I don't know that you have to be a bunch of game wreckers. You just yeah. need to be solid. Yeah, they just they bought that the schedule makers. I feel like they really, really liked Luke Fickle this year because he only has one cross-conference game, obviously, against one of the big three. Uh-huh. And the West is just so weak. And you've got Iowa coming into your house. So. And, and, and for all purposes, your other two crossover games in the East are against the two worst in the East. Yeah. So, all right, let's take a look at that schedule since you brought it up. So they begin with Buffalo. They go to Washington State in a um, revenge game and Georgia Southern, which is not a pushover. But there's no reason why they shouldn't go 3-0 and there. They're at Purdue. We don't know. I think that's a Friday night game. We do not know what Purdue is, but I'm pretty sure I know what Wisconsin is. That should be a win. Hopefully, for their sake, they are 4-0 going to a bye week. They then welcome in Rutgers. That should be a win. Then they come up, and this is – circle this one. I think this is the game that will decide the West this season between Wisconsin and Iowa. Whoever wins that game more than likely is going to win the West. It's in Madison. I think Wisconsin wins it. At Illinois – Again, that's not an easy trip. Illinois stomped you last year. Little little different scenario this year, though. Now, I like the fact as Ohio State fan, they have to travel to Champagne Champaign the week before they play us. Yeah. That that helps that helps us out because Illinois will beat you up. They are going to be physically beat up. They play Iowa and Illinois in back-to-back weeks, two of the more physical teams in the West before they take on us at Ohio state. Those three games are the three that will make or break their season right there. If they can win the Iowa and Illinois game, it it doesn't really matter what happens against Ohio state. They're going to win the West at Indiana. That should be a W against Northwestern. That's a W against Nebraska. They get them at home. That should be a W. And then the rival game for Paul Bunyan's acts at Minnesota to end the year. I think they're a better team than the Gophers. We'll see. I think Minnesota's a, a, a pretty good team, but I don't think they're as good as Wisconsin. Vegas says eight and a half wins. I say take the over. I can find nine. I think they're 10 and two. Chris, you are really high on Wisconsin. You say 11 and one on the season for the Badgers. Sir, explain yourself. I think it's simple. I think Luke Fickle is the best coach in the West right now. I think he's brought in enough talent, and he walked into a better situation than Matt Rule did at Nebraska. Sure. Uh, you know, he, he already had some talented people in play. He already had decent guys on the offensive line. 
like you said, he already had some solid defensive players in play. He's going to make that defense better. He's got he's got the element of surprise, I think, in some cases with that offense. I believe his only loss comes versus Ohio State. And Eric, it's a game that scares me. I'm going to be honest. It's a game that as an Ohio State fan scares the snot out of me. I think this is a team and a coach in Luke Fickle that in his first full season is going to be out there competing for a Big Ten title and don't sleep on them. Wisconsin, Wisconsin scares, excuse me, Wisconsin scares me as a Buckeye fan more than Maryland does simply because we have to go to Camp Randall at night. So, yeah, so that, that, that alone is what puts fear in this to me, for me, there are four really big games on Ohio state schedule this year. And three of them are on the road. And this is one of them. The yes. only one we get at home is against Penn State. Um, Notre Dame, the team up north, Wisconsin, they're all on the road. If Ohio State is going to win the Big Ten and achieve their goals of getting back to Indianapolis and winning a Big Ten championship, they are going to have to be the road warriors this year. Yeah. Put the put the shoulder pads with spikes on, paint your faces, you know. Well, you uh, got the guy there in Columbus who knows how to do it right now. J- James Laurinaitis, he's got the blueprint for this, guys. You need to be road warriors this season. And going and, – and I don't know what's a tougher road game. Going to Notre Dame or going to Wisconsin? They're both going to be at night. I think it's going to Wisconsin, Eric. Fickle. We've talked about it on, on this show before, Eric. Fickle is going to have vengeance in his heart. The one time he got to play against Ohio State, he came in with a young Cincinnati team. And was competitive. No, he got his butt <laughs> handed to him. No. It was a destruction. He didn't yeah. even score a point. I know. But he, don't think that that's not motivation for him. It well, not absolutely only that, is. but we've talked about it. You know, he didn't even get the phone call, Eric. Yeah, and if if you're a Wisconsin fan and you're watching this preview, let 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 me explain what Chris is talking about. When oh, when Urban Meyer stepped down, Gene Smith never picked up the telephone call, phone to dial down the Cincinnati to even offer Luke Fickle, who his dream job was to be an Ohio State head coach. The opportunity to even interview for the position. He never even gave him the the respect to even call him to say, hey, come up tomorrow, pitch me. We're we're leaning to Ryan Day. I want to hear from you. See if you can wow me. He never even offered him that opportunity. If if he would he came up and you know what? Gene Smith says, you know what? We're going with Ryan Day. Ryan Ryan blew me away. Okay. But at least you gave him the opportunity. He never even called him. Well, let me tell you, right now, I'm, I'm going I'm to put this out there, Eric. Wisconsin should be very thankful for the coach they got because let me just say, Ryan Day is 45-6. and six. 
if Fickle would have come to Columbus, he may not have been four, 45 and 6, but I guarantee you he wouldn't have been looking at a third straight loss to that team up north either. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Oh, I can't argue that. I mean, he he lost he lost to he lost he lost to the team up north in 2011 with a team that had a freshman quarterback that was missing the majority of their stars who went six and six and still almost pulled out that victory. Yeah, well, let me tell you, he had this is the thing. They've got a coach right now. And, and granted, the conferences are going away, but you know this year he's got the opportunity to stick it to the university that passed him over and see the team that he hates most in this conference in the championship game and get them to. Come on, if you're Luke Fickle, this is your dream scenario year right now. If for some reason... Ohio State doesn't make it to the Big Ten championship game, and that stinking team up north does again. I am. And, so, I'll wear and Wisconsin red. And Wisconsin is there. You better believe that almost every single person bleeding scarlet. Well, they better. All 100% of people who bleed scarlet and gray better become Badger fans that night. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you but, right now. But then, but then, if he were to win it, what does what does our podcast? What will the very next thing be on our podcast? What will we be saying, Chris? Oh, you know what I'll be saying—the same thing. I know. I mean, Larry Larry Daniels said it. There he is, the one who got away. I'll tell you, Eric. Woo! There's you. We are we are bringing up some really bad scenarios. We brought up a Maryland we, scenario that but, was but, just crazy to think about, and now we're bringing a, up a Luke Luke Fickle head coaching scenario that is a nightmare and, for Ohio and, State. And, fans. I, and understand, as much as I have my doubts about Ryan Day right now, my hope is still that Ohio State goes undefeated goes on to beat that team up north, win a Big Ten title, get a national championship. All I'm saying is I think that Wisconsin got themselves a great coach who's going to make it very difficult for that to happen. There is also a scenario where, in your scenario, Chris, where their one loss is to Ohio State. Yes. And they get a rematch against Ohio State in Indianapolis, and, and that that concerns me too. Because let's face it, we all know it's very difficult to be, whether it's basketball, football, whatever. It's very difficult to beat the same team twice in one. If that were to happen, if Wisconsin were to go to eleven and one, their one loss being Ohio State, they then turn around and beat Ohio State for the Big Ten championship. They're going to the CFP in Fickle's oh, first year, without a doubt. Again, another nightmare scenario for Ohio State fans. 
this turn this, this but then at the same time i'd almost think depending on what what goes on around the country we see another year with two big 10 teams probably that that would be if ohio state was um 12 and 1 and yes. their one loss was to wisconsin but there's a scenario where Ohio State is 11 and 1 going into that game where Michigan, Penn State and Ohio State all defeated each other yes. and Ohio State gets to go because they had the better non-conference um opponents record because mm-hmm. of Notre Dame and then uh does that mean then, we got to jump on Kennedy's show and and cheer for Notre Dame all season if i mean if don't tell lose, me I got a cheer. Don't tell me I got a cheer for Marcus Freeman. I mean, if we, I mean, if Penn, okay, if Penn State beats Michigan in their house, we beat Penn State in our house, and Michigan beats us in our house, and all three teams are eleven and one. I'm pretty sure Ohio State will get to go because of their non-conference record. Yeah, because they will have played Notre Dame. I, I think yeah. there's like if you follow if you follow who gets to go on in that scenario, it goes to who had the best a non-conference opponent records. And obviously Ohio state's going to win because well, Notre Dame's there. And we know it's not going to be that team up North because they're playing four they don't, high school teams. To- they don't play anybody. <laughs> I mean, we know it's not them. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy, but uh, Wisconsin brings up these scenarios and, because it's a very real possibility and whether it happens this year or it happens down the road someday, it's going to happen. Wisconsin and Ohio State are going to come to a crossroads where fickle might ha- might burn us, man. So I'm Brandon Jensen, uh, lead betting analyst at Big Banter Sports. Glad to be on the show. So we'll go over to Wisconsin, eight and a half, over at minus 128, under at plus 104. Tanner Mordecai comes in from SMU, pairing it with Phil Longo's air raid style. I don't think Wisconsin has seen this kind of offense in a while. Returning Braylon Allen and Chaz Malusi in the run game. This is going to be a fantastic unit. Jim Leonard's gone. The defense is not going to be as stout. But I think drawing Ohio State from the east in Madison is going to be a potential game of the year for the season. I think this might be one of my favorite bets. I'm going over. I think Wisconsin flirts with not just 10 wins. I think they flirt with 11 and I think they win the West. I'm a big fickle guy personally. And I think he does start off running and getting the job done in Madison. (laughs) Uh, Please like share, subscribe. We truly do appreciate it. If you are a Wisconsin fan, go ahead, man, follow us. We're a part of the big banter network, which means we are one of 14 big 10 podcasts. What covering all of the 14 Big Ten schools, soon to be 16 starting next year, and maybe more. So go ahead, like, share, subscribe, and give us, ring the bell. If you're a Buckeye fan, so you'll be notified every time we drop another show, which is almost daily. We go live every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Make sure you're there for that. Chris, OH. I O. Go Bucks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write. 
so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.